Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. If you want to explore more podcasts about movies and nostalgia, head over to cageclub.me and check out some of our friends. Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Bad, the podcast where we talk about real bad movies and why they want to hurt us. I'm your host, Nick Jenkins, and today I'm joined by three friends. First, we have Matthew Gatos, as usual. Hi. I thought you were going to say as like a character, and I was like, I was not prepared to play a role this evening. <laughs> as the Scottish bartender. Not Hi, I moved here from America. I'm in Scotland now. <laughs> <laughs> you went through all the processes. Yeah, including the accent adjustment. Yes. Uh, and from SciShow, Bill Mead. Hi, everybody. And also from SciShow, we have Tuna. Hello. Hello. Welcome, everybody. So today we watched, or well, this week we watched a movie that we're going to talk about today that I absolutely hated, and I have never been more miserable watching a movie for this podcast than I was watching this movie. Really? Yes. I don't understand wow. it. No, I, yeah. I, I it, it, it wasn't the worst. It was not the worst movie we watched uh, by okay. a long shot. It, it, it's, in fact, I think there's some question as to whether or not it even belongs on this um, here, podcast. Here, here. <laughs> but I hated every moment of it with like rare exceptions there were a few exceptions things that popped up but i was like that's clever or yeah. cute and then everything else i was just like i just want this to end i want it to end it was i didn't start watching it until about seven o'clock and when it was mm -hmm. done I actually rewatched Infinity War, which is like seven hours long, <laughs> just as a palate cleanser to watch something I enjoyed. I, oh, I, mm -hmm. I, I had a miserable time. But just let, not let people be hanging here. We watched <laughs> The Flintstones, 1994's The Flintstones, starring John Goodman, Rosie O'Donnell, and the great Rick Moranis. I, I guess yeah. all three of those people are great. Kyle I don't yeah. know. Halle, Halle Berry, Elizabeth Taylor. Why is Elizabeth Taylor in this movie? We'll get into that, actually. <laughs> we'll get into, that goes into some of my problems with this movie. But anyway, before we get into that, though, and I am not envious of the person who has to do this 60-second <laughs> plot dump. Oh, really? This one? Yeah. All right, tune in. It's going to be you. <laughs> I was going to say, I typed out a plot summary, and I was like, yeah, it seems pretty right. All right. Yeah. All right, Tuna, you are going to give us a 60-second plot dump of the Flintstones movie. I do want to say, yeah. Tuna, you were previously very confident about Prometheus. Oh, yeah, yeah, No, and that's yeah. why this time I was like, oh, okay, I see where I made my mistakes. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> like, thinks that. Yeah. When Stefan was on here, he like wrote it. I was like, yeah, 60 seconds, and then right. he hadn't gotten through even a little bit of it. I know, he did the same thing I did, where yeah. he like, looked at the clock, and it freaked him out. Don't look at the clock. <laughs> yeah. And don't spend too much time on the opening scene which is i think everyone's like <laughs> that main, is it uh like breaking point is they start describing the opening scene and they're 20 seconds in they're like uh oh here's the rest of the movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right the flintstones in three two one okay we're at bedrock which is a caveman suburbs uh there's a quarry there run by a company called slate international they have a new ceo and secretary who are plotting embezzlement so Fred loans Barney, this is elsewhere, Fred loans Barney some money to adopt a child because that's expensive. Um, then the CEO is doing an aptitude test for part of his embezzlement. And Barney, to repay Fred, switches their tests so that Fred gets the job. Uh, Fred is like a fish out of water. There's jokes about that. Um, and But Barney, he has to fire Barney. So he takes Barney's family in. Uh, but then Fred and Wilma, to a lesser extent, turn into rich assholes. Um, they see a totally fucking sweet B-52s concert. 
Um, while the CEO proposes modernization to Slate and gets Fred to sign the paperwork without knowing it. So the Out workers- of time. Oh, really? Damn. Damn. Told you. Oh, man. That was, that's a whole page you got there. Yeah. That's, you got to oh, practice man. these things. I know. <laughs> well, I did it earlier, but I clearly did not do it out loud. Yeah. I read it in 30 seconds. I mean, the only seconds. thing, you got most of yeah, the most story. Of it. I yeah, most of it. The we were getting thirds. to was the modernization uh, thing that the they're planning on yeah. doing in the What well, I should have done what the movie did was and just like rushed the last like yeah. most of it. But yeah. I think the one thing that you'll will need to know for further conversation about it is that Fred accidentally, because he's dumb, signs a bunch of papers that lays off everyone at the core. Right. And so everyone hates Fred and tries to kill him at one point. Yeah. Um, and then yes. he's redeemed. Yeah. Like And then they save the day and they yeah. they uh they stop invent, Kyle McLaughlin. Invent concrete Yes, right. Um, by murdering a man. By murdering yeah. a man, but nobody cares. No, he was bad. He, he was, was a bad he, man. He, he was a bad man. He looked at the camera. Um, <laughs> but man, the third time that I have to do one of these, I'm going to nail. You guys <laughs> <laughs> bring like ten seconds of material, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um. Well, let me. I did hate this. I hated this experience <laughs> a lot, and now I like. I, f- I feel like how probably Matt felt watching Manos. Uh, like it's. That's how I felt watching this, which is weird because this is an art. This is a clearly and objectively better film than Manos, the Hands of Fate. Like it's well made. It's got a great cast um, and all of that. But I and so I need to say up front, this affected me badly because this film fits into so many categories of things I don't enjoy. Mm. And so it's not that the thing is bad as much as it it just upsets me on every level it 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 really bothered me for a lot of different reasons probably the biggest reason being it's this sort of faux saccharine sweetness that a lot of children's movies have Mm -hmm. that bothered me when i was a young when i was a kid i didn't like it then Mm -hmm. and i don't like it now and it could be because i'm you know i'm i'm a grouch i don't know but like (laughs) at the end of the day it's still like it was a struggle for me to not turn this movie off (laughs) like i i considered like maybe i can finish this tomorrow like no i'm gonna finish it tonight Like I, it was yeah. I feel like if you drew that out and like made it a whole second session, you would have been even more miserable. Even more miserable. Yeah. yeah. So I, I pushed through it, and but it was, and we'll talk about each one of those things. But the biggest okay. thing for me is this this faux sweetness and talking down to its audience, which a lot of kids' movies do. It, it, that's that's sort of the thing about kids' movies that, that has always irritated me is. This fake now, you know, we can't do that because if we do that, that would be bad. You know, things like that. Right. And that was especially from Wilma. That's the vibe I got mm. from this movie. Uh, so, you know, I, it, for, for all of the 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 ranting I'm going to do about this movie, <laughs> I want to be a, I want everyone to be aware and I want myself to be aware that I'm aware that a lot of this is me and not the movie <laughs> itself, but me. So. That being said, who the fuck is this movie for? Me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Matt? Yeah. Why do you like this movie? Uh, I love this movie. Why do you Um, love this movie? (laughs) I have watched this movie dozens of times, probably since I was, um, I guess, six or seven when it came out. I was the prime audience for this movie. Is it Stockholm Syndrome? You've just watched it so many times that now you think it's (laughs) wonderful? Nope. I've loved it since day one. I had all the toys. I had all the... McDonald's collectible cups. Uh, I had 
yeah, like I remember having they released some sort of like toy version of the Rock Donald's McDonald's that's in the oh, movie. Oh yeah, and I, I definitely had that. that. Don't remember that. Um, but well, yeah. you know what? One thing before we get too deep into this, yeah. For those of you who don't know, because I don't know where everybody sits in their knowledge of like old shows. This is a this is a reboot, a live action remake of a show that was on, I believe, in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, 60s yeah. when it started. Yeah, uh, called The Flintstones, which is about cavemen and and women and, and families. It was uh, a primetime cartoon, so it was basically like The Simpsons yes, of its day. It was yeah. the proto-Simpsons, which it yeah. was based, yeah. oh my God, there is a little book in here of The Flintstones. Oh, hey! <laughs> oh, there is. Yeah, in the background, it's... Wait, Surprising some... Corn? What is that? What mean? the heck? <laughs> called Surprising Corn. Surprising <laughs> Corn! Okay. Well, anyway, that's creepy. <laughs> I wonder if that's a plant. <laughs> Someone's just like, I'm gonna get Nick. I later. bet. No, I bet Sam Schultz did that. Because <laughs> Sam texted me a picture of a Fred Flintstone doll that clearly had John Goodman's head in a used. Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen. I did not have that one, but it is a very good doll. Um, but the the Flintstones uh, show was sort of loosely based off of the Honeymooners, which is an you know an OG sitcom. Yeah. Um, about the big blundering husband and the wife that puts up with him and their neighbors. Like this is it was that it was I Love Lucy, and then it was uh, the Flintstones. So there was this sort of carrying on of tradition, mm-hmm. but this was an animated form. So just I want everybody to have that background before we move yeah. too far. The Flintstones into it. are not just vitamins and direct DVD <laughs> movies anymore. Nope, and band aids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that is like probably most of my experience with uh, Flintstones is the band aids. <laughs> Interesting. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. Did my you get mom hurt just a lot as a kid. I know, but when I did, my mom <laughs> like I guess the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ones were too expensive or something. Like those were the <laughs> ones I markup, wanted. Yeah, the markup for relevant cartoons. <laughs> right. Mine were Scooby Doo. Oh. Ooh, ah, some Scooby Doo band aids. Yeah. Man, I don't remember any single band aid I ever had. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being disappointed because the Band-Aid, it looked cool because it had Scooby on it, mm-hmm. but it didn't feel any better. It still hurt. So <laughs> it was, you know, it's like, oh. Scooby. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> Useless. But okay, so you had a lot of the toys. Yeah, and I I want to say that I think my enjoyment of this movie comes from who I am. Like how you were saying your non-enjoyment of it yeah. comes from who you are. I watched this movie... And the word faux does not touch it. Like, the sweetness in it is just sweetness for me. Mm, like Interesting. The charm, the the cuteness of things is I just take that for what it is and what I think it's intended to be. I don't look at it uh, as, like with any sort of cynicism of, like, they were just trying to do that. Like, I just look at it and, like, they succeeded. It's great. So, so Bill... Yeah, hey, <laughs> I don't agree with Matt. Uh, yeah, help so, me. Well, I came into this movie and I was, I was, I would say, coming out of it, I'm very neutral about it. It's, okay, it's, so it's, good. We have a, We're starting to have a graph. I, I would say this right. is like a room temperature movie for me. Not okay. room te- room temperature water movie. Uh, I wrote in my notes in the very beginning. This movie is upsetting, but. As I watched it, I think something in my brain chemistry adjusted to it. What was upsetting? It was between the exposition drive, which is the literal, like, thanks for lending me money, Fred. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, this is really trying. Like, it was a little forced. And then Bam Bam. Bam Bam was upsetting to me. I didn't like Bam Bam. No, I didn't either. I, I hate him. <laughs> and All right. We'll, we'll get into that. But after <laughs> that, like, 
I was, you know, the movie was going through checking off its own boxes, you know, making sure Dino tackled Fred and making sure he got hit by a bowling ball. And again, if you haven't seen the cartoon, these are things that reoccurred in the show. Yeah. Uh, so they, they were checking off a lot of boxes and eventually I think I want to say it plateaued or flatlined. It, it just became more of an even ride where I was like, okay, I get it. I get what this movie is. And then I just let myself experience that type of movie. But getting into it was hard for me because there's no world there. There is world building, but I'm, it, it's more like right away you're in bedrock right away. There's dinosaurs right away. There's a quarry, which it had to be. It's the Flintstones. Hmm. This is their job. There's not going to be like, it's not going to be like Super Mario Brothers where there's that weird narrator. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you the can dinosaurs. The uh, dinosaurs. Hey. Uh, six million years ago or whatever. What, hey, what if they didn't? <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like this, yeah, the Super Mario Brothers thing, it, like you can feel the screenwriters scratching their heads going, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we'll do this. But here they knew exactly, like, drop yeah. you right in. Yeah, they dropped you right in. And I appreciate a lot of the work by Jim Henson studio in this. Um, but you know, overall I'm not going to recommend this movie, but I'm not going to say I hated it. Okay. It was a solid C movie. All right. Not, so Nazi minus or plus. Just we're, C. We're, we, we, we have a full spectrum right now. <laughs> so Tuna, we're going to see if you can throw the weight one direction. I don't know if I can. I think I'm more, I'm like sort of in Bill's court here. Like oh, okay. maybe leaning a little toward, Matt, Ew. just in that, like, <laughs> it doesn't feel not genuine to me, mm-hmm. like the 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 attempts at sweetness or whatever. Like, to me, it just comes off as like every other '90s like happy ending, like ah, like every movie, every not exciting movie. Like, <laughs> it feels, and but that's the thing is it to me, it's like there's very clearly a love put into it. I don't know much about the Flintstones cartoon, but like from what I remember of it, like they nailed and they went like they went hard on like this is a live action adaptation of this cartoon. We're not going to like like dress it up in grim dark like everybody no, does it's now. Not a, every, it's not a gritty it's reboot. Like, it's, no, it's like yeah. full on like we love this cartoon and we're going to do this thing. Like the to me the only major weak point is the story and it just feels like nobody involved with the movie was that concerned with it either because they were like we're recreating bedrock this is so cool like we get to do this we get to like make a lobster lawnmower like <laughs> <laughs> which is fascinating because this film apparently had 34 screenwriters. It was in right. it was d- double digits for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I saw everywhere from 18 to 35 in yeah. different things. That's that I read. a lot. Yeah. It is a well, lot of people. And it wasn't- the explanation sort of made sense to me, though, because it was like from what I gathered from the article Bill sent and like another mm-hmm. thing that I ended up looking up was that it was the guy had a background in TV, the director. And so he was used to working with a writer's room. Oh. So he brought in a writer's room for this because That's it was like, yeah. that was his style. And if he didn't like the first one, then he brought in another writer's room to like, yeah. and so you end up with like all these people and like a bunch of the writers who were on early in the process were like, uh, I don't think even like one of my lines, like maybe one of my lines made it into the final mm. thing. Cause it just kept getting rewritten until they were like, okay, this works. And this movie was 
they attempted to develop it for a long time, like right. before they. Yeah, um, it was like '85 or something. Was when yeah somebody got the rights to it. Someone got the rights to it in the '80s. I think Richard Donner was originally attached to it. As oh the no, <laughs> he was. And then I would have been right in his heyday, though. Yeah, I would have been right in his prime. And I, you know, there was a lot of actors attached to it or rumored to be attached in it. And so they had those writers then. And I think what kept happening is, is they kept making scripts and new directors were sort of cycled in and going, I don't like that script. I don't like that script. New directors. I don't like that script. Spielberg came in. This is a year after Jurassic Park. So if Steven Spielberg Mm -hmm. says he wants to make a movie of dinosaurs in 1993, (laughs) I mean, after 1993, it's going to happen. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the first name. (laughs) Steven Spielrock. God damn it. It's yeah. the first name you see in the movie. That doesn't upset me, but it did make me question the union rules. It made me question yeah. what these guys think puns are. Well, yeah, that's I guess that like that sort of encapsulates like my verdict on the movie where it's like <laughs> they clearly had fun. They had fun. Like it isn't necessarily the greatest thing ever made, but I can appreciate that they had fun and that it's not necessarily aimed at me. Right. Who, yeah. Like Flintstones are a non-entity otherwise. I mean, this is aimed... F- this is the question, though. Like, it's... The the tone of the movie feels like a children's film. That of, like, it felt like a genuine adaptation, and I think that's where it's very different from Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because Super Mario Brothers, you don't look at... If you showed someone, like, a still from that movie, <laughs> no one's gonna go, oh, is that a Mario movie? <laughs> Whereas, like, yeah. if you show someone a still from this, it's very clearly a Flintstones yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah, like, they tried point. to recreate the feeling of watching the cartoon in live action. Mm-hmm. Like, but also, like, we need to be clear, this was a primetime cartoon. Mm-hmm. This wasn't yeah. a cartoon just for kids. No. Oh, yeah, you can find old commercials where Fred and Barney are, like, pitching cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, it was, like, it was... So, it's odd to me that they go, cartoon, we gotta make it for kids. Because this was not really for adults. At least, not for this adult. But, mm-hmm. but then... They do things like they cast Elizabeth Taylor. Why is Elizabeth Taylor in this movie? The, what I, I don't know that I understand the question. Well, Elizabeth Taylor, the draw of Elizabeth Taylor is not going to be children. Well, yeah, but I also don't think that in casting uh, a kid's movie, you're necessarily as worried about the draw. Mm-hmm. I think you're worried about who's playing the role. Yeah, I guess that's because, true. Like, kids, I, I was one of these kids who was, so exclude me from this but like most kids weren't watching Roseanne so John Goodman wasn't someone they necessarily were familiar with yeah. but he looks and sounds like Fred so I think they were like oh we we want someone like big and famous to play the evil mother-in-law I'm I'm gonna agree and disagree with you mm-hmm. I think one I think you're right I think that at this point you're like well who can we get in that's good that has you know XYZ Elizabeth Taylor, that would be kind of cool because she's iconic and Flintstones are iconic and, you know, it's it's all blah, 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 blah. I think when this came out, 94 and the years prior to that, I think a lot more kids were watching Roseanne than you may think. I really do because we had already had The Simpsons come on. So a lot more kids were watching stuff like that. A lot of kids were watching Married with Children. I remember a radio show um, in the late 80s, early 90s, where they had a competition to do who could do the best Al Bundy impression. (laughs) And they had to stop the competition because it was just kids calling in (laughs) to do it. And and so it's like there there were a lot of very adult themed things 
that kids were watching. That's mm-hmm. true. Um, it was also, you know, in the 60s, that was probably not as true. You weren't watching as many adult things. One, because they were probably more boring, um, but also because you didn't have the sort of the disillusion of the nuclear family until the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. You had a lot more latchkey kids and uh, single parents. And so a lot of, you know, th- that was definitely my story was there was a lot of just television watching time. And that included prime time. It included after school, a lot mm-hmm. of stuff like that. Now, for me, I watched this with my parents parents Mm. but i still watched it and all of my Mm -hmm. friends watched it too um i'm talking about roseanne and uh the simpsons like it was that was common so i think they did know who john goodman was (laughs) i think kids would have known who that was at the time i to a degree yes but i think it is yeah for me i think it would have been Hey, look, it's the dad from Roseanne. Hey, look, it's the dad from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. But I don't think that's what gets kids to the theater for a I Flintstones movie. I agree with you. In the way that I think, yeah, Elizabeth Taylor probably wasn't recognizable to kids when this movie came out. But I think much like uh, like Pixar movies and Disney movies, too, they yeah. cast a lot of actors whose voices kids don't know. But parents can go watch mm-hmm. a Pixar movie and be like, oh, Cliff Clavin's in this one, too. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like their kid has never heard the words Cliff Clavin together. Good point. Um, yeah. And that, I think, touches to me because I've been thinking a lot about this particular thing after watching this is like almost what I would consider the difference between like a kid's movie and a family movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is more family movie mm-hmm. because like, like you were talking about, like Pixar nails this where, yeah, it's a kids movie but then they throw in enough stuff so that their parents can sit there and watch it with them and enjoy it mm-hmm. or, and that's the yeah. draw of like Cliff Clavin or Elizabeth Taylor is like oh this isn't just like some like like when I was a kid I loved the Pokemon movie but my parents like I can't imagine having <laughs> dragged them to that and what that yeah. experience was like whereas like Monsters Inc like my entire family loved it like, yeah. my sister and my dad I think Pixar does it, it. Well, I oh, think Flintstones yeah. didn't nail that. I will, I, as much as I love this movie, <laughs> right. they attempted it. I, I don't think know they that were, they nailed it. I think it. they were attempting that. And I yeah. think mm-hmm. it is a thing of like, you, it's a good distinction to make between children's and family movies because like Incredibles 2 has been getting a lot of flack from some parents because it's not enough of a kid's movie. It is a little dark. There's some swearing and there's some dark things in it. And it's like the director keeps saying, like, well, it's a family movie. It's like not mm-hmm. just for kids. So it's not mm-hmm. going to be super all kid friendly and I think this kind of fits that bill too like there's certain like seductive moments from Holly Berry mm-hmm. her character smokes which wouldn't be allowed in a kids movie these days she smokes right. a dollar sign she does she <laughs> blows a dollar sign out of smoke out of her mouth that's how that you know they're embezzling that must have been hard <laughs> yeah. how many takes she's very method she trained for a long yeah. time uh, yeah it's Really before Star Wars, we didn't have quote unquote family films, something that everyone could go to mm-hmm. and enjoy. Like you had Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, Spielberg, you know, and Lucas really and Zemeckis with like Back to the Future. Like it's an entertaining, fun ride of a movie that everyone can get something out of and enjoy. But it's also fairly safe. Mm-hmm. So your kids can watch it. There's bright colors. There's a lot of movement. And and it's, you know, it's funny, but there's jokes that go over their heads, stuff like that. So that started to take shape in the 80s and 90s. Um, but it didn't get perfected, honestly. I don't even want to say perfected. It didn't really become financially feasible 
uh, to make every movie that way until the last five, ten years. Um, because that's one of the big complaints now is most things that go to the to the Cineplex are family films. Mm-hmm. Like that's most of what's there. They're they're Marvel films. They're they're big. They're you know YA novel ad- adaptations that are still there. Yeah, for a younger audience maybe, but you're not gonna you're you as a parent are not gonna be in pain going to see this like you would be for maybe a Pokemon movie, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. <laughs> so we're in a we're in a stage now where we're trying to break that with things like Mad Max Fury Road or Deadpool, you know, things that are intentionally trying to to give people some more choices, mm-hmm. which I applaud. Annihilation. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that one. That's I one. haven't. And I kind of been one of my favorites in a long time. I kind of got reamed out on Twitter, not not even directly at <laughs> me. It was just a bunch of people who were like, they make a really good sci-fi movie. And nobody goes to see it. And I'm like, I, yeah, because the trailer, I just didn't give a shit. I watched the trailer and was like, this looks completely uninteresting to me. So I'm not going to see it. You got to learn to market people anyway. Um, <laughs> but that that's the thing to me. So like, I think the Flintstones here had a bit of an uphill battle because it, it, if it was trying to do that, trying to be that, that weird niche family film that hadn't been nailed down into a cohesive thing. Yeah. It probably didn't know what it was supposed to be doing for the whole of it, but you still enjoyed it. So yes. Bill, you said you had something also to add to that. Not much anymore. I think everyone's kind of... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Bye, guys. No, uh, I, I did want to mention about Elizabeth Taylor, and I just think her cast... Most of the cast, I think this is that movie that is made towards kids with the plot, but is casted towards the adults or the parents. Because I did think Roseanne was... I, it was around when I was a kid, but I think it was more for the parents. That was the parent sitcom, if that were to make sense. If I, Yeah. And then... You got Elizabeth Taylor, I think, which is also like, oh, this will get the moms in, possibly. <laughs> uh, and then Rick Rick Moranis is probably my main draw for that for that day and age for '94. Yeah, yeah, I would say probably mine too. The Honey I Shrunk the series, like, <laughs> like I guess uh, there's a there's a blue up in the middle of that. Um, <laughs> but those series of films were also very high on my list of mm-hmm. movies that, that I watched when I was a kid. Yeah. So, yeah, he definitely, definitely would have been familiar like, to me. Yeah. Ghostbusters, I was like, man. Oh, I forgot he was in Ghostbusters. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's like the best part. He was really great. Um, There's actually a small Ghostbusters Easter egg in this movie, and I only found out about it after research. There was no I was going to say, I didn't pick up on that at yeah. all. It's the name of the bar they work at, or he works at. Oh, Barney gets a lot of jobs after he gets right. fired. He has like five jobs. And and the towards the end of the movie or the last act, he is uh, a waiter at this fancy restaurant that Fred attends, and I believe it's called Cavern on the Green. Cavern on the Green. And in <laughs> Ghostbusters, he goes to Tavern on the Green, and that's where he becomes a dog monster. That's when he's banging on the glass, and yes. no one is answering his call. Yes. Yeah. And I only found out about that yeah. because of someone someone else's research. So thanks, hmm. random internet person. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's a heck of an, an Easter egg. Yeah. Let's yeah. See, that's nailed the pun on that one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Good point. The BC 52s are performing yeah. at Cavern on the Green. Right. Come on. These are great. They're not. Okay. <laughs> that was my favorite part of the movie, though, was oh, the B-52s. Yeah. I wish they had done like a whole second song. Like, I, Yeah. I was kind of, that was an irritating moment for me was we got to the end and then they st- they played the Flintstones theme song before the credits. Mm-hmm. And then we get another Flintstones theme song during the credits. And I was kind of right. like, oh, come on. But one of those is the B-52s version. Yeah. And it's really good. 
um, <laughs> in the beginning of the film, when they're singing in the car, was that the song that's later played? No, that's a song that's actually from the TV show, I believe. Okay. okay. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. So like, Bedrock, Twist, Twist. Got it. Yeah. I hated that. I loved it so much. Oh, I was singing along. So much. I'm not, like, I was watching it and I started singing along and Devin was looking at me. I'm like, yeah, I've seen this a few times. <laughs> when <laughs> I I texted Matt how unhappy I was, it was during that moment. <laughs> I was like, I'm 30 seconds in and I hate this. <laughs> and that was it. That's why on the same twist. time when I texted you and was like, I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> It was. See, I just really appreciated like the live reenactment of the opening of the cartoon. I think mm, that gets like, a lot of like I praise? enjoyed yeah. that. Like that was that was one of those things that set up to me. Like okay, like they really like the Flintstones. They mm. went through like all of this to get like that weird opening. And I feel like if this was done today, that's all that would have been done. Mm. I the, think that, <laughs> I, I think they would have had the same cast, and it would just be a four or five minute long funnier die skit and that's it yeah that's fine that was probably the most well done part of the movie i would have preferred that yeah, <laughs> yeah. i would have no i seriously would have i seriously like this whole thing to me i watched a lot of the flintstones yeah and this was just an episode of the flintstones but in live action mm-hmm. with a couple darker moments or i don't even say darker just like weirder at this this well i don't want to screw up my own real good <laughs> at this same time that this was coming out, mm-hmm. uh, there were a lot of other movies that were taking uh, things from the 60s and revamping them, but they were doing it with an ironic flair, and that's more my... Oh, mm. that's my least favorite thing. Yeah, I see... It's I, real hit and miss. Yeah. Well, see, that's yeah. what, like, your idea of a funnier die sketch, to me, sounds awful. Because to me, not like your idea is awful, but like that <laughs> sort of thing, to me, just screams pandering, hey, you like that thing? Fuck it, here you go. Yeah, Whereas, like, go. this movie feels like you were saying of like these are people who liked the Flintstones and yeah, wanted mm-hmm. to make a Flintstones movie the way it should be made and not just in a hey you like stuff here's the stuff you like and <laughs> but that's how I felt watching this I you like the Flintstones here's the opening scene you like the Flintstones here's you know all of the same beats that happen sometimes repeated beats like it was just the same shit that we'd seen in the in the show, it, it felt like the same thing. Hey, you asshole, you like the Flintstones? <laughs> Here's your fucking Flintstones movie. Like, it didn't feel like there was any thought in terms of, like, creativity to it. It just felt like what was in the Flintstones, all right, we're going to make exactly that, only it's live action. Now, maybe that's g- good for some people, and that, that's fine. I'm not judging that. But to me, the problem I'm having is that you're saying a funnier die sketch is that, whereas I'm thinking this is that. That's. I think it's like the the attitude. I think is. I think where it's getting the crosstalk here, because you like when you're talking about it, you're describing it as like, "Hey, asshole, you like the Flintstones? Like here it is." Mm-hmm. Whereas to me, the movie is more of a like, "Oh my god, dude, I love the Flintstones. Check this out." And I'm like, "Cool, I I've heard of the Flintstones." And it's like, <laughs> "No, dude, you gotta look at this. Look at this. They're <laughs> drinking Rolling Rock. Do you get it?" And I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, I I get it. And I'm like, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. And it's like almost like overly enthusiastic for like what I'm prepared to bring to it. Whereas what? like the funnier die thing comes off as a like, huh, remember this thing? Like, let's like do an ironic take on it. Like, and I, yeah, and I don't. If, almost like, I mean, it's, it's, I'm not for the ironic take kind of thing. I think I'm kind of between your two camps where it's like, 
I enjoy it when it's well done, but it's also I feel like it gets really heavily done because that was sure. like yeah. it, somebody did it the first time and it was funny and now it's like now it's the new hey like and i think that's that's something when you look at some of these remakes or reboots you have and i don't mean to tread on anyone's possible real goods coming up <laughs> but some of these movies become i don't want to say dissections of the characters but they they bring up jokes that are sort of in the zeitgeist so i think of the scooby doo movies where it's of course we're going to make a pot smoking joke about Shaggy, mm-hmm. yeah, or the the Brady Bunch movies, which were like let's make an incest joke about these two characters, which mm-hmm. did happen, which is going to happen in a Gary Cole movie, mm-hmm. but this one didn't play any of that, and there wasn't a lot of like oh I bet you, no those are too dark to even mention on real bad. It's <laughs> like oh it's based on the honeymooner, so of course Fred's hitting Wilma, like yeah. kind of stuff. But like that, that is, I mean, yeah. It, 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 this was sort of the Flintstones was sort of an inversion of that to mm-hmm. where Fred was. Well, I don't even want to say an inversion, but they took all of that out. Yeah. Well, it's like a proto yeah. version of how most like sitcoms kind of ended up working. And the, yeah. the cartoon was a lot of this way too, where it's like around his friends, around everyone else. Fred is the man's man, mm-hmm. the king of the king of the castle kind of thing. But around Wilma, he's like, He's like, oh no, I very much need Wilma. Like, yeah. I'm useless without Wilma around. Yeah. Um, which I like that they carried that over to the film too, because that's there was nothing that I watched in this film where I was like, oh, that doesn't that that's bad in 2018 eyes. Felt like the treatment of Halle Berry's character a lot of times was like leaning more on that. Like, I will say, I, I agree to an extent, but because of who her character is and mm-hmm. who the characters are that are treating her that way. In certain scenes, I'm like, okay, yeah, like Cliff Vandercave, I think is his full name. Kyle McLaughlin's character? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he I had think a name? <laughs> it's at least, his last name is Vandercave. I know that. Oh, okay. Um, but, like, he turns out to be a complete scumbag. Like, he mm-hmm. is screwing yeah. everyone over, including her. I, I want to say he turns out to be a scumbag. He is from he, the start. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I think there is a little moment of heartbreak there. Oh, where yeah. It's like, oh, you, yeah, yeah. You think these two are in on this together for the whole thing and so you kind of also don't you can only like Holly Berry to a certain extent because she's nice to Fred but you know she's also involved in this plot mm-hmm. and but she has second thoughts yes, yeah she has a right. crisis of conscience. Yeah. yeah and then it's revealed that he didn't really plan on bringing her to Rockapulco with him yeah. anyways so uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen Rockapulco yeah. what more do you guys want <laughs> I, I can tell you that like that's not like a different thing for just this movie. Like the Flintstones has always been bad with those things. Oh yeah, yeah totally. That's, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. why I'm not like faulting the movie for yeah. it. Because to me, all of these like bad puns are a love letter to the bad puns of yeah. the TV mm. show. And they still do it. I watched a couple years ago. They uh, the Flintstones doesn't really do a lot anymore, except for like weird straight to DVD movies. Yeah, and really? a lot of them they've been doing recently are tied in with wrestling. To get kids to watch the Flintstones. Yeah. Scooby-Doo oh. does this too. Yeah, Scooby-Doo also has this. They just did one not that long ago. But there's a like uh, Flintstones uh, WrestleMania f- crossover film where like a <laughs> bunch of wrestlers. Yeah, no, this is totally real. I like uh, A bunch of wrestlers do their own voices and they're like characters and Fred becomes like a promoter for a wrestling thing. And there are some... I just found my new real good. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's very bad. Um, But there are some, like, there's a a wrestler named CM Punk, and they make his name CM Punk Rock. Uh. But then there's another wrestler whose name is Daniel Bryan, and his name is 
Daniel Bryrock. <laughs> and then there's a wrestler whose name is Brie Bella, and she's Brie Boulder. So they're still bad at yeah. it. They're not any better at these puns. They're not trying at Did all. they give one to Ronda Rousey? She was not yet in the WWE oh. when they made this. The uh, only person I know who's <laughs> is in wrestling. Yeah. So well, Rockstar Rousey? Oh, was see? it just yeah. Rock Lesnar? Yeah, that would, I, I see. He's not. He's not a. I don't think he's uh, okay with being in children's films. No. So, oh, he can't have his beer. I would. I would yeah. just love if The Rock was in that. <laughs> <laughs> see, and, that's what I was hoping too. Like, just but they give him a dumb name like Steve. Because <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne Johnson just go down Steve. the line like all these characters with uh, pun names and be like, and this, this is Steve. This is yeah. Steve. That's great. I would love that. That would be. That They're would probably be hiring writers for the next one. You're you're up, oh Bill. Probably. God. And Dwayne Johnson does like twenty movies a year, so he's probably okay with it. Twenty seriously high budgeted though. Yeah. Like holy cow. <laughs> so the interesting thing to me, one of the things that I liked about this movie was the cast. Like I uh-huh. love Rick Moranis. I love John Goodman. Love John Goodman's arms. Dude was ripped. <laughs> is, what the know. heck? His forearms were like all <laughs> right. muscled and veiny. Like the dude. Could... Well, that's that's the part that really shows out of the. Is it a dress? Is that what you call it? It's a dress. It's smock? kind of a sleeveless dress. It's a like smock, a I guess. I mean, that, that's what he's got. Yeah. Oh, it's a muumu. It's a muumu. Is it? They call it a pelt at one point. Okay, they'll call it a pelt then. Yeah. It's a dress. Of all the parts that show off in the pelt, it's the feet and the arms. Yeah. So. And his feet look super gross because he uses them to drive. Yeah. So his arms, from I guess working in the quarry, it's picking up rocks. Yeah. But I think it's it's one of those things of because. John Goodman doesn't play characters where you see him like shirtless or sleeveless a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't really know what that man looks like. Right. And then you see him sleeveless in this and you're like, oh, he's like a really <laughs> strong built dude. He's like a bouncer. Yeah. Like he yeah. he's carries a lot of weight, but he's also like really strong. <laughs> yeah. And he's also really tall, I believe. Like I think, he, so. I think he's a big, big dude. But I liked the cast. I like Rick Moranis. I like John Goodman. I like Rosie O'Donnell. I liked Halle Berry. I like Kyle McLaughlin. Like, all of these people are are really good. And then something happened to Wilma. You and Matt were talking about this earlier. Like, well, okay, there's two things here. One is just my criticism of everybody else seemed to have life. Like, Fred Mm. seemed to be just bursting with life. Uh Uh, uh, Betty, Bam Bam... Barney, all of them seem to just be just like have this life. And then is her name Erica Perkins, Jessica Perkins, Elizabeth Perkins, Perkins. for some reason. I don't know what happened because she's a very competent actor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's been in a lot of stuff. So Mm -hmm. she just seemed listless in this movie to me, which is weird. I don't remember that from Wilma in the show. I think it uh, my Well, there's a couple of reasons I think that that is one. I don't remember the details around this, but I know that there was some sort of ADR dubbing thing that happened with her. I don't, again, remember where I heard this or read it. It was years ago that I learned this, but I believe there was something to do with having to redub a lot of her lines Hmm. or redo things. So Mm -hmm. I think maybe in that process there was some emotion lost, but I also do think some of that is just in the writing Yeah, because she is kind of just a reactionary character. Uh, in this movie like she has to be like oh Fred or Fred how could you and yeah she doesn't get to really do she doesn't drive a lot of the plot 
She's just there to react to what Fred just did, which we also just saw. Yeah, yeah she's kind of like mm-hmm. a weird like voice of the audience, but it's like unnecessary. Yeah. And I do, you know, there was like the moment when they go shopping and that is a direct thing from uh, the show where they say, charge it. You know, it's that is it's a direct thing. But it was weird because. Again, Rosie O'Donnell seemed committed to it and was mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and then it seemed weird coming from Wilma. So bizarre things like that kept popping out at me where it's like, well, there's one character who's just not in the movie, <laughs> not in the same movie, at yeah. least as these other characters. I don't know if that's a directing problem or know, a writing like, problem. It could be it could be stemming from the fact that there's not a lot there in I the script. I have a feeling she wasn't the first choice to play Wilma. Uh, Jenna made a comment because in the very beginning, she there's there's a part where she, it's when she finds out about Fred giving Barney money. Yeah, and she's very upset, and then she switches to charm right away. Mm-hmm. And she was Jenna said that would have been a good Julia Roberts bit because she, Julia Roberts herself was good at switching from angry to charming and back and forth. Hmm. I'm not saying she would have been ideal for this movie, but an actress who can flip that, be charming and you know love you and then hate you in an instant would have fit that role a little better. Maybe so. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was just, you know, not the right part for the right actor. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm also not saying the script is great either. So, yeah, it's just, it just, it was weird that it stuck out to me. Mm -hmm. Also, I mean, you know, Julia Roberts, yeah, might've been great, but also I think Matt, you brought up the fact that this was an expensive movie because they had to make everything. Yeah. Which I think... (laughs) It shows the dedication and care mm-hmm. to it, but like they did have to create every single like prop and set mm-hmm. and every like e- literally everything. A trash can can't be just a trash can; it has right. to be a stone trash can. Right. Every costume has to look like it's like animal fur yep. or whatever. Yeah. So there's nothing in front of the camera that looks like it exists in our world. Yeah, you can't, there's nothing you could just run down to Home Depot and buy. No. Like, there was nothing you could go to Target and get. Yeah. So, so they did not spend loads and loads of money on their cast. Like, they had names. Yeah, but Elizabeth Perkins, like, nothing to besperch. Like, Elizabeth Perkins, she's great. But I think, at this point, she had been in Big... But I can't think. That's where I know her from. Yeah, (laughs) she's the lady in Big. Yeah, Um, and she was great in there. Yeah, but I can't think of like she's not okay. Like again, it sounds very negative, but she's never been like a Julia Roberts level Mm. star. Right. So I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. Yeah, it just sounds negative when you say it. Like Elizabeth Perkins is no Julia Roberts. Like it sounds weird. Um, but. Yeah, I think there are certain there's like a dream cast you have of mm-hmm. like what you pay for actors and some of those are not going to be paid as much cuz I'm sure John Goodman made a buttload of money for this movie. Maybe. He was in his prime of Roseanne at this point. It was in his prime of Roseanne, but there has always been a discrepancy from what you're making on television to what you're making in the movies. Mm-hmm. True. That is true. So I, he may I, not have made that much money. He's always struck me as a working actor too, even when he is in a starring role. Yeah. Yeah. And by that, I mean, I think of his Coen brother movies where. Which are great. Which are great. And sometimes he'll only show up for a few minutes. And it's like, oh, that must have. I mean, I don't want to say it was cheap, but he, he he appears in enough things that makes me think he just appreciates having the work to do. And I think I've read some interviews with him where he talks about getting over some of his addictions from his early Hollywood times where he just takes work to sort of distract himself from some of his demons. I get that. Yeah. But, yeah. 
I mean, there's there are many different reasons that people become workaholics. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes that can very well be it. And if that helped him, good for him. Yeah, because that's that's important. But, you know, they they spent their money like this looks like a really well produced movie. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. they they got every dime on the screen. Right. Like this is not something that I look at and go, oh, geez, look at all the money they wasted (laughs) by doing this or by doing this. Like I see it. It's just not for me. Like this movie is just not for me. And it's not for me on a level of pain that it just (laughs) I just checked out within the first few minutes with that song and I never checked back in. That was the thing. And it's Mm -hmm. it is not really the fault of the movie. As much as it is just it's a disconnect between what I'm able to stomach. Mm -hmm. And so it's like I'm going to rate this thing at a certain point and I'm going to tell the audience it doesn't matter what I rate it because it's not for me. (laughs) It, It it's it's a family film and I like family films that. I don't know. It just did not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it didn't <laughs> connect with me on any level. You were saying there was like uh, some other, like the ironic reboot kind of yeah. remake kind of things. Was there, what specific ones were you thinking of? I really like the Brady Bunch movie. Mm, okay, both of them. Yeah. Well, I know there are three. I've only seen two, but um, we gotta get that third one on this podcast because it is bonkers. <laughs> I think two. White House one, right? The one that's yeah. where he becomes president. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I appreciated that because I think it was just you know how I was raised, and we all looked at stuff like the Brady Bunch as very false, yeah, and fake, mm-hmm. and not what reality is like. But um, I remember my ex-wife loved the Brady Bunch, the original Brady Bunch. And mm. She loved the sincerity and the sweetness um, and the naivete and the the honestness of it. She she loved it. So and that gave me pause and made me kind of go, oh, not everybody feels this way <laughs> yeah. about this. And it took me a while to realize that. Like, and it took me a while to understand that, well, OK, not only is this movie not to her taste the the remake of the brady bunch that was very ironic and poked fun and like searingly Mm. poked fun at it Mm. it was also kind of hurtful to her because it Mm -hmm. is you know it it's not um it's taking something that she liked and saying not only is it you know goofy and and maybe quote-unquote bad but it's also stupid well it's also throwing like the Brady Bunch movie is a, a very good example, I think, because it takes those characters and puts them into like the real yes. world and shows off each character's flaws as a comedic thing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. is like, oh, look, like you don't get along with other teens because you're into Davy Jones, dummy. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's it's very it's a weird take on it. And I could totally see I, I to be honest, I enjoy the Brady Bunch movies, but I can totally see where someone who enjoyed those movies, like the TV show, not enjoying that. Yeah. Movie. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Like, you know, I, I I only knew the Flintstones, you know, as a cartoon that you have on the background. It wasn't something yeah. that you really mm-hmm. sat down yeah. and ingested. Right. <clears throat> like it wasn't true detective, for God's sakes. It was just, you know, it was just it was a distraction that was cute and colorful and and punny. <laughs> you, know, you, have, <laughs> you have the puns. So. This movie didn't need to be, you know, some sort of searing indictment on 1960s <laughs> cartoons. <laughs> yeah, right. But for some reason, that's what my brain wants. 
But I mean, I think there's also a difference between like I like I mean, I saw Brady Bunch reruns on Nick at Night, and mm-hmm. I feel Watch like I've seen part of like maybe the Brady Bunch movie, but not focused enough to like appreciate what it was doing or recently enough to appreciate what it was doing. I think you so would I appreciate it for some yeah, reason. Yeah, well, that's the thing is because yeah. like the ironic thing, like I when it's done with like care that's I can enjoy that because mm-hmm. like I'm thinking of like your description of that with your ex-wife reminds me of like my first girlfriend uh, I like when Venture Brothers first started up I brought some of that over to watch at her house and her mom hated it because she grew up with like Johnny Quest and that right. kind of show uh, mm-hmm. and it was like that like it was still loving in or like not originally like it didn't it started out a lot more harsh it's, it's and like mean, mean and grew into more of a genuine love of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but like i can totally see like okay yeah like if you really love that thing that it's like stabbing at like that's yeah. going to be well because it it works in a like a form of parody where it's mm-hmm. it's the first message of the movie is essentially being like hey everyone we all agree this was dumb right yeah Right. Let's continue from there. And if you're the person going, uh, I disagree. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're left out of that whole experience. <laughs> this, this is the greatest right. hours. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is the greatest memory I have of being with my father. And then it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. That offends right. that one person. Yeah, because I do. I, I remember watching the Brady Bunch reruns and the, like the made-for-TV movies and series. And it, it, that's a good point because we've gone through so many reboots and remakes. And the last few I remember watching were definitely – Let's turn this into a comedy. I I think the last yeah. one I watched was the Starsky and Hutch with Ben Stiller and Owen Ooh, Wilson. That's a rough one. It's a rough <laughs> one, but it's like let's let's just make this into a comedy. No, let's, like let's the, they've done it, it with chips. Uh, right. You know. Well, and I think the Starsky and Hutch one is a whole, almost a whole other world of these things where that is the polar opposite, where they it completely ignore the original yeah, show yeah. essentially like they basically take the costumes from the original show and the names from the original show and the car yeah the car. but they ignore the personality of the characters they right. ignore what made the show loved by people and they're just right. like i don't know make him say the the line he used to say but other yeah. than that it's like now they're dumb yeah now they're dumb let's make sure to have the original actors show up sometime yeah it's hey yeah. it's dumb starsky and hutch hey it's dumb chips it's like it's the difference between hey, it's dumb doing they watch oh check yeah well and I think that's like that's I think that's what I'm trying to dial into as I'm like working through this in my head is doing it with like either you started out like hey this everybody agrees this is dumb let's do this thing or it's like hey remember this thing we all loved like we love it but like it is kind of silly like let's have fun with it in this different way it's definitely hard to make a self-deprecating homage and and by that I mean because you can be self-deprecating like the Brady Bunch movies where mm-hmm. it's this was stupid, and then we have the Flintstones which which was made with clear I would say love for I, I imagine many people involved in the production liked the show because that shows in a lot of the set design. And I mean let's be clear they do acknowledge that this is silly. They do mm-hmm. like they're not taking this. It, they're not mm-hmm. saying this is a deadly serious thing. They're aware that you oh, know yeah. Rockapolco is stupid. It's yeah. supposed to be. It's supposed to be a bad pun. So, are they? They say it's so. I, I they think, say it very like Kyle McLaughlin's character does never say like let's go to Rockapolco. No, but like, he yeah. does look at the camera that one time. But, but that's completely time. removed from any of those moments. Like the one time he looks at the camera is a different movie to me. I don't know why that happens. But like, <laughs> I don't either. I remember yeah. watching it going, whoa. It's the one moment in the movie where they 
like literally wink at the camera <laughs> to be like, hey, you're watching this, right? And it's very weird. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, well, sorry, sorry to interrupt. No. Uh, Tuna brought up a good point earlier when we were discussing this movie. Uh, we were talking about Mel Brooks movies. Oh, and yeah. we, we we talked about how Mel Brooks has that, that teeter-totter of you're either going to laugh or you're going to groan and roll your eyes back into your skull. And this was more of a eye roller. Yeah. This movie. And well, it's to a me it had like almost that same balance, only uh-huh. instead of like the offset of groan being I'm going to laugh like crazy, the offset mm-hmm. of groan was like, wow, this was really made in the deepest part of the 90s, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I liked Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> really? She came in and she was at 11. And I appreciate that when you get yeah. a big star. Okay, that's to just fair. Chew scenery. And I was like, yeah. she, she, she didn't phone it in. She did not. No. I, that's fair. And this was her last film performance or her last theatrical mm-hmm. film. Really? I mean, she what didn't the? She didn't die right afterwards. She no, had no, a few no, more but, years. But this is her last theatrical role. I think she was in semi retirement. Huh. And I think they got her to do this by saying they donated the money from the opening night to her AIDS foundation to her. Like, oh, yeah. nice. So it was kind of a cool little thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Cause she did a very wonderful speech at the, uh, Freddie Mercury, mm. uh, concert. Yeah. Uh, and that, yeah, that she, makes a lot of sense. She was a cool lady who divorced and married a lot of people. <laughs> you <laughs> I, know, that's fine. Yeah. On the same note, uh, of her role in the movie, my favorite thing that just gets like casually dropped is that she's listing off to Wilma like your father sacrificed a lot of things so you could have the life you have mm. and one of the things she mentions is your brother Jerry <laughs> <laughs> she like lists she's like sheep cows your brother Jerry like that moment I paused the movie because I was like oh this seems like just a sweet mother daughter like <laughs> like he sacrificed a lot like no. He literally sacrificed a lot, like sheep's cows and a human son. And I was like, that I is, missed that. Yeah. I well, think I missed that too. They, it's very, very subtle. And yeah. I think if I hadn't seen this movie a dozen times, like this was the first time I ever noticed it. But is she, because she says your brother Jerry, I was like, what was that? And I go back a little bit. I'm like, oh, she's listing things he literally sacrificed <laughs> for them. I Which did, is weird yeah. because this is like, it seems to be pre-religion, even pagan religion. So it's it's weird. <laughs> well, the Flintstones has always kind of danced in that world. Oh, of like, yeah, They have true. TV, but yet not right. many other Oh, yeah, that was helpful. I, I swore I was not going to get into this whole thing of nitpicking technology because it's a <laughs> fucking cartoon. But I did every time the television was, I was like, what? <laughs> okay with Jay Leno and yeah. Sam Raimi appearing on the TV yep. my, again my I was like problem. wow this was made in the 90s <laughs> like, Matt maybe you can help me with this hmm. uh, they're watching the news reenactment yeah. of Fred and Bezeline with Yabba Dabba which I thought I laughed <laughs> yeah, but the but channel the channel because I, I was looking for puns everywhere yeah. like I, I'm a big fan of the good place in Bob's Burgers mm-hmm. and it's like oh look at that pun look at that pun in this world Rick Moranis or Barney he was watching CNN but I think it was just CNN. It probably said something on screen. I didn't take note of it, but I'm sure. Probably like be- Caveman Network News or something. Yeah. Oh, well, well, because I didn't see that, but I just saw CNN. Yeah. Like well, the they literal- did the same thing with the airline. It's TWA, but it's Triassic World Airlines uh, or something like that. Okay. 
So it's damn they, it, I have to rewatch it. <laughs> <laughs> you can borrow my DVD or watch it again on the Netflix. It's, it's on the Netflix. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's move on to how we would fix this. I'll go first because, like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I I don't necessarily think it's broken. It's just not for me. There are little things I would tweak here and there. Uh, you know, one or two performances. I'd give Richard Mall more to do. He was he was in here. He was a somebody at that point. I don't know why he had like two lines. Um, he has pretty good lines though. He does, but like mm. he's there and then gone, and then he comes back again. I don't know. It's weird. Which one is he? He's woogie like wo- woogie wee. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. it doesn't get any better than this. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Um, I really just think this isn't. F- I think it just missed everything that I enjoy mm. in a lot of films, except for the the production value is like really good. Mm-hmm. Um. And I even enjoyed seeing the the nineteen ninety four attempts at CG um, yeah. mixed in with the puppetry. Like they you know, tried their hardest. It's they, noticed. <laughs> it's noticeable, but like not terrible. No, it's not terrible. Right. It's just oh, the CG Dino. You know, yeah. and there was enough puppetry that yeah. I think it like yeah yeah it's like okay. Jurassic Park did yeah uh, where it blends that like one moment this thing is CGI and the next it's going to be a puppet. Yeah. So there are moments when your brain's like, I'm not sure which one that is right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, look, I gotta be honest. It's just, I don't think it's broken. I just think it's not for my brain. Um, I missed it when it came out. I was the wrong age and everything. And I, I don't like this kind of thing. So yeah, subtle tweaks here and there, I think. But I, I also want to be careful because I don't, I think there are people who do really like this movie like Matt. Um, and I I would worry that revamping it or twisting it and, and changing it would then take away that thing. In some respects, it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, Tobin's th- suggestion for Manos, which was <laughs> it's so beautifully broken. Yeah, <laughs> that you don't want to don't touch it because it's like then it won't be this masterpiece of garbage. Yeah, but it's here, a house of ugly cards. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but here it's just I, I just don't. I, I just don't think I'm qualified to comment on how to fix it because I don't think it's actually broken. Matt, would you fix anything? Uh, I would cut out for sure the Kyle McLaughlin looking at the camera bit because <laughs> it is literally the most cuttable thing oh, because totally. he leaves a room and shuts a door and then looks back at the camera and like smiles. And it's like, okay, you could just cut it off when he leaves that room yeah, and you it... don't need that. You already very much know he's evil. Yeah. Um, right. So that again, it's the one moment in this movie that does that sort of thing. So cutting mm-hmm. that out, I think, immediately uh, erases the confusion. Yeah. About mm-hmm. like, is this movie very meta or no? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I might be stealing a bit of Tuna's uh, notes here, just because we talked about this a little bit. Oh, yeah. But the third act could use some trimming. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's the movie's not like a long movie, but it minutes. starts to feel a little long in that third act. Dear God, once it felt like the sheltering <laughs> sky. It just <laughs> never ended. Well, once all the characters are aware of what's happening, it starts to feel like, okay, so cut to the last scene of the movie, please. But then there's like three or four things that have to happen to draw out the length of the film. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's like, oh, wait, no, we need to go back here. Oh, wait, no, the kids have been kidnapped. Oh, wait, no, we have to go do this. And then, no, wait, but we have to do this first. And <laughs> right. it just feels... All that stuff I missed in my recap because it all just gets <laughs> yes. crammed in there. Yeah. And I yeah. think, I, I don't know exactly how because they make it so that all of those pieces are integral to the end. Like, 
all the nonsense things they end up doing are made important. But I think it like literally like they find out the kids have been kidnapped and it's like pitch black night out. And then by the time they get to the kids and are rescuing them, it's bright daylight. So a lot of time has passed in them like trying to solve the problem once everyone is aware of it. And it doesn't feel like it should take as long as it does in well, the film. Well, you don't want to try and rescue children without, you know, sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got right, take a night. <laughs> Let's take a good night's sleep. <laughs> And then we'll go we'll and tackle uh, this problem right. in the morning. Oh, there was a movie on this podcast that we talked about where they did that. <laughs> I don't remember what it was. I don't either. <laughs> but there was a movie where, like, what was it? I, uh, it might have been Long Kiss Goodnight, where like characters are just like, all right, well, tomorrow, let's sleep for now. <laughs> uh, I don't think it was a Long Kiss Goodnight. <laughs> maybe I, I don't know. Um, uh, but yeah, there was some film. But yeah, so that'd be my main things that I would uh, mm-hmm. trim. Yeah. Just be a little bit. That's in the third not big. Act. No, Bill. Uh, the the fixes I would make, and this is just based on the things I was disappointed by in this film. Uh, Bam Bam's introduction. I hated Bam Bam. Oh yeah, we didn't get into that. Uh, so there there's Bam Bam and Pebbles in this, just like there are in the cartoon, and they're both played by two sets of twins. And Bam Bam, this is these t- this twins. They're from Iceland. I can't pronounce their name. It's their only credit, which is fine. Uh, he is not voiced by himself. He's mm-hmm. voiced by Elizabeth Daly, yeah. aka the voice of Tommy Pickles. Uh, <laughs> and she's she's done some great work. And eighties musician. But her voice in this jarred me every time. It's like bah! I can't do it. It just hurts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Imagine Tommy Pickles from the Rugrats <laughs> yelling "Bam Bam." All right. Yeah. So that, but it's like slightly off time from like it his was mouth slightly on off screen. time. I hated it. Yeah. And this those kids were old enough. They were they weren't babies. They were, they were, yeah. I don't know how old they were, but they were old enough to possibly have their own lines. Uh, so my, my main fixes were maybe make the Bam Bam story, which is him being adopted and adapting to normal life because he's raised by Macedons. <laughs> maybe make that the story because that seemed to be kind of rushed. Uh, <laughs> also, my main complaint is I love John Goodman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, top three actors personally. And they didn't play to a lot of his strengths, which is that he can be very, very intimidating. And I was trying to think, how would you make him intimidating in this situation? Well, there's no one for him to be scared of him in this. And I thought, what if they age Bam Bam and Pebbles like in the Pebbles and Bam Bam show? (laughs) And then Bam Bam's just scared of him the whole time. Because I want to see John Goodman as Walter Sobchak. I want him to be intimidating and just carry the whole scene in Rome. I'm thinking Barton Fink, that kind of thing. I just want more presence by John Goodman. I would have loved to have, for him to have threatened uh, Kyle MacLachlan. Yeah, there, there's like no physically because he had no power over him. He had no power over anyone, which yeah. is like it's fine with the family dynamic. You know, don't make him too scary or a monster. But there's no scene in which Kyle MacLachlan and Fred Flintstone really come together. They they are always he's always sitting when he's in the room. There's no like. Well, I don't uh, think they ever share, share a shot. Either. I don't think they so. do either, but there's no, like, I'm bigger than you scene. And like that's what I wanted, and that's what I'm trying to figure out in my fixes. I want John Goodman's physical presence to be a part of the movie. That's it. So make, make more John Goodman, please. Uh, I mean, that's a fair. I would like yeah. more John Goodman and everything. I just yeah, like yeah. John Goodman, too. Tuna. Mine's pretty simple. I really only had one, but then Bill reminded me that, like, oh, there's a second one First, I know he wasn't really around then, but like I would get Lauren Boucher from who does Bob's Burgers to punch up their puns. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like that would be a good investment, whatever oh, that would good. cost. Um, That's and then the a other good thing, idea. 
Yeah. Then and the other thing that I came in here with was like kind of like Matt said, like I, I want to go even further than Matt, though, and say, make it a 30 minute short, like make it a 30 minute short that goes in front of like some big family movie blockbuster kind of thing, because hmm. oh. I feel like that would play to the strengths of the 35 writers being television writers. And that's something I have run into was like. I remember being in school and it was like, oh, you have to write like a short script that's like five yeah. pages and I couldn't do it. And I've tried writing screenplays that are 100 pages and I can't do it. Like the the pacing just doesn't click with me. Mm-hmm. But once I started writing like TV length scripts, that's where it clicked for me. And I feel like that might be what the writers ran into. And I feel like that might solve what problems there are to play to their strengths instead of trying to force them into something else it's interesting because like even in a couple of movies that i enjoyed uh they were i believe both written by tv writers they had pacing problems and that was both the x-files movies Mm. even though i liked both of those movies there's a point at which where i'm just oh it's it's over oh okay wow you know (laughs) it's like they there's definitely moments you hit Mm -hmm. in a tv show that don't translate to uh, movies one-to-one anyway so yeah yeah that's fascinating well and even like tv is so like intensely structured around like the three-act structure because you have built-in act breaks yep at the commercials so it's like not having that can totally throw you off because you're like there's no commercial breaks i can just (laughs) keep writing yeah Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, we got to rate this thing. I rate all of these films based on a category like Storms. Uh, one, eh, it's not too bad. A five could kill you. I don't know what to do with this. I'm going to give it a two. It's a category two. I hated it. I never want to watch it again. It is not for me. I was thoroughly miserable <laughs> for this whole watching experience. But again, I will say this is not the movie's fault. Uh, I think there could be some stuff that was done better. But yeah, I'm going to give it a two. So. Matt, how do you rate it? Uh, on my Possessed Mushroom Puppet enjoyment scale out of five, <laughs> this gets a solid five. Wow. Because I smiled just throughout this entire film. <laughs> nice. It's very fun. It's harmless. It's very good. And I will watch it again probably within the next few years. See, and that's why I can't hate it is because to me it's like inoffensive and then seeing Matt smile as he talks about <laughs> it, I'm like yeah. – all right, that's a net positive. Yeah. Even if it does nothing for me, it's a net positive because it makes Matt happy. Yay. Well, so how do you rate it? Yeah, oh, the Matt well, scale. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, my scale is how much it makes Matt smile. <laughs> no, my scale is based around food, and uh, this one is three blueberry pancakes. Wow. Because, like, the blueberries are in there for the kids. They're a little too sweet for me, <laughs> but, like, I can handle some blueberries in my pancakes. But there's three of them, and... The universal experience I have ever had with pancakes is I get through that first one and I'm like, all right, like I'm down with this pancake. Then I get about halfway through the second one and I'm like, what was I thinking? (laughs) And by the time I'm trying to nosh down that third one, I'm just like, please, like let it be over. I should have stopped after pancake one. (laughs) This is a universal experience. Yeah. yeah. So (laughs) the first pancake was great and I wish I had cut it off there. (laughs) All right. Perfect. Bill? Uh, I have a wife who I love very much who I watch all these films with, and she has a certain look that she gives while <laughs> certain moments happen in these. This movie rates seven looks, and I think her lookometer cut off around the same time my distaste for the movie did, and I think she just kind of went 
to doing paperwork, which he does during some of these. <laughs> so it's a solid seven look, get other work done movie. Fair. Okay. <laughs> Devin went to bed in the middle of this movie. <laughs> that's, that's, oh. She did something. Yeah. This yeah. is a significant other chasing away movie. <laughs> Apparently. God, we've watched some, some real chase you away movies, though. <laughs> to be fair, I, I did watch this at like 10 o'clock at night. That's fair. So it was getting late. Yeah. yeah. Uh, lastly, we need to give some recommendations for something that is real good, something to get the taste of this movie out of your mouth. I already talked about mine. It's going to be the Brady Bunch movie um, that came out. I really like it. I also want to say that it's not just about being ironic about it. It is about looking at the differences between 1960s and now in terms of entertainment, media, and television. And it does it really, it's a very sophisticated movie. And I I remember seeing it and being shocked by how sophisticated it was. And I've watched it again and it still really holds up. So the Brady Bunch movie with Shelley Long, um, it's, it's quite good. Wonderful cast. They do a good job. Matt, what's your real good? Uh, I have two. One is not a movie. <laughs> uh, my first little bonus one is uh, recently uh, they did a run of comics of Hanna-Barbera titles. And they've done like a Space Ghost one and they did uh, just a Snagglepuss one that's supposed to be very good. But uh, one, a comic writer that I really like named Mark Russell did a run on the Flintstones. And there's two volumes of this that you can get. If you know me personally, come over and borrow them. If not, <laughs> find them somewhere at your local bookstore. <laughs> um, but... Mark Russell uh, takes the Flintstones, uh, and it's very—it's hard to describe, but it's the most sincere storytelling that you can imagine involving the Flintstones. Mm. So it has a lot of the same tropes as this movie has of like the birds are a record player that hate <laughs> their jobs and it's a living. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it takes that to eleven, and there is like genuinely there's moments in these comics that made me like well up mm -hmm. because they're these animals are like living their life like shoved into a closet and their only friend is like this other appliance that they get to see an hour a day this is horrible oh yeah no it's very sad <laughs> these are deep storylines it's heard very about very deep and very well handled and just a, a really interesting way to tackle the flintstones so i highly suggest mark russell's run on the flintstones my real good movie, uh, also quite a downer, not <laughs> uplifting. Sorry about this week, guys. Uh, but John Goodman's just too good uh, in this to not recommend 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is a hmm. movie I feel like not a lot of people saw because maybe they weren't that super into Cloverfield uh, and felt like they needed to see it. Hmm. You don't. You don't need to see Cloverfield at all nope. to watch 10 Cloverfield Lane uh, and enjoy it. It is wonderful. It's so good and just the acting from all of the actors in that, but especially John Goodman, is so strong, and it just yeah. feels like a play that you're watching, and yeah, John Goodman's real good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Bill, what's your real good? Uh, I was going to recommend Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. <laughs> uh, it was an, I don't want to say early adult swim, but it was an adult swim show with Gary Cole and briefly Stephen Colbert, uh, and it's sort of a, re a remash of all the Hanna-Barbera cartoons of that era, uh, taking him into a modern courtroom scene. And there is a Flintstones episode where Fred gets hit by a bowling ball and it becomes the Sopranos parody <laughs> because he becomes like a mafia don. And uh, that that's sort of the story. And uh, it's just a fun show. Uh, check it out. I know the first few seasons are on DVD. Cool. Yeah. Tuna. So when I was trying to pick out a real good, uh, I was trying to think of like 90s comic book movies because 90s comic book movies and now comic book movies 
are totally different <laughs> approaches and yeah. you just don't see the 90s one where they lean into like this is a comic book like it's kind of goofy it's kind of silly but like let's have fun with it and I do kind of miss that like I recognize that probably some of these Marvel movies will stand the test of time more than like some of the goofier Batman like the movies uh, Shazam might be for you yeah oh really it okay. looks like it's kind of that spirit yeah okay which well, is strange because it's a DC <laughs> film it's a DC film but it's essentially like if Big was a superhero movie yep oh okay yeah, yeah. check out the trailer alright yeah I'll have to do that well so my real good is like one that I remember loving and like this is with a provision that I haven't seen it in like 10 years but I remember it being something that stood up even when I watched it into college was the original Men in Black. Mm, yeah. That's yeah. a good Where movie was, still. Yeah. Mm. And it's just like, it, it. to me it hit that like where I did kind of feel the weaknesses and like pacing and also uh, like making it kid accessible but like entertaining for adults. Like I feel like it nailed that. Yeah. Because I appreciated it totally differently in 97 than I did in like 2007. It's so weird that movie does not feel that old in right? my head. Maybe it's because they've kept making sequels yeah. for so yeah. long. They just keep it in the zeitgeist. Yeah, that it, but it, I forget that it's like that was like directly after Independence Day. Mm-hmm. Like they did Independence Day and then that came out because it was like, oh, it's just Will Smith punching aliens. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I want to see that. I want to see Will yeah. Smith punching aliens. And yeah, it's just, just weird to remember that, yeah, I was very young when that came out <laughs> so weird anyway uh all right well thank you guys for joining me and, and enjoying this movie more than i did i appreciate <laughs> oh, it can i ask one last thing Ooh. did mr slate remind anybody else like he really looked like elton john to me no he looked like <laughs> dana carvey from the master yep. of disguise oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. turtle turtle yeah <laughs> okay i just wanted to know <laughs> yeah so uh anyway thank you guys very much um matt you have a podcast to promote yes Ooh. i do uh it's called i love it um, you can find it on Twitter and Instagram at I Love It Podcast or listen to it wherever podcasts are sold. Yeah. No, it's free. <laughs> it's free. It's all free. Yeah, I listen to Nick and Matt's episode. It's really good. Oh, thanks. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Nick is on talking about guitars. Guitars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my emotional attachment to them. Yeah, but the most recent episode is uh, with Michael Aranda, who some of you listening to this might know. Yep. Uh, and it's about the band Linkin Park and why he loves them so. Yeah, and it's a journey. <laughs> yeah, give it a listen. definitely is. Uh, Bill and Tuna, you both work on SciShow, mm-hmm. uh, and so SciShow Kids, SciShow. S- I work on SciShow and SciShow Kids. Okay, Tuna, I do SciShow and SciShow Psych. And Tuna, you just finished a big project. I yeah. did. Like my my band just got our album mastered. Like that's all done. We're looking at an October first release date. Sweet. And what's yeah. the band's name again? The band is Soviet Fourth Grader. God, that you is can the go best to SovietFourthGrader.com and find we got some music. There's an EP out, but it's, it's so less quality. <laughs> yeah. So October first. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, Real Bad is a part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can go over to CageClub.me and check out a bunch of our other podcasts. I'm going to be on an episode of High School Slumber Party where we're going to be talking about the film Summer School starring Mark Harmon and Kirstie Alley, um, which was a real nostalgia trip for me. So it'll be interesting. But uh, I'll uh, tweet when that episode is going to be going live. Also, big announcement for us. We have a Patreon that is... Um, <laughs> Patreon! 
Get with it, kids. That's right. Fine. That's what's. Oh my God. Dab on over to that Patreon yeah. page. <laughs> Toss some water bottles. Um, the page- we're old. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just slow to to like yeah. things. I didn't like Vine until it was dead. <laughs> and He's actually about to go out after this. He has to get out of here so he can go buy some fidget spinners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be the next big thing, man. Um, but we do. We have a Patreon now, and there are a lot of different uh, things you can... This the, Look, this podcast is always going to be free, and I'm committed to doing it for at least one more year, and <laughs> if not more. Um, but uh, I would, as Matt once put it, it'd be really great if you could just buy your yourself a lunch with this money while you're editing and doing all of the work for this thing um yeah podcast editing takes a lot of work that it, I think. surprisingly yeah. a lot of we work we try to make them sound effortless yeah but uh it's not no it's not and it's usually my whole saturday um that i do this but so pay nick for his saturday please no it, um <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff on there you can get to uh, help us pick out movies that we're going to do they're going to be votes that you can uh uh take part in to decide which episodes we're going to be doing and uh uh, stuff like that, as well as just we're going to start doing uh, some stuff like I'm going to do some commentaries. I'm going to try to get other people to do commentaries for movies, bad or good, um, that you'll have access to. So, yeah, head over to patreon.com slash realbadpod. And uh, you can check all of that stuff out. It should be up and live. God, I hope so. Um, <laughs> if not, tweet at me and let me know. Uh, so, yeah. And, of course, you can always follow us on Twitter at RealBadPod. And uh, next week, we don't know what we're doing, but the week after is going to be one of the biggest movies ever made. So that should be fun. It's big. No. <laughs> oh. I actually don't like it's big. big. I don't cut, like cut jo- that out. I don't like joy. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, big is problematic for sure at this oh, point. Yeah. But it mostly is joy. Well, more for me is just like I never. Uh, it seemed like when Tom Hanks grew up into Big Tom Hanks, his <laughs> his brain de-aged a few years. See, we can totally do big on this podcast. Oh yeah. Uh, I was, was so frustrating. Anyway, <laughs> Big Two: The Secret of the Ooze. Oh, like, let's do that. <laughs> Sam really wants to do some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. I'm so, <laughs> uh, so anyway, thank you for listening, and until next week, this has been real bad. <laughs> <laughs>